Dysfunctio Cerebri by Dwight Kemper. A den of thieves is just what the nondescript bar in the most notorious part of Goldstadt was. Not that this discouraged the medical students of the nearby university from experiencing the seedier side of life firsthand. But Herr Frankenstein was not here to get a sample of the local color. He cared not at all for the garishly painted ladies of the night, nor the buxom barmaids, nor the smoke-filled atmosphere. No, he and his hunchbacked assistant, Fritz, were here for a different kind of assignation. And one of the darkly lit booths was the objective of his little get-together. He was a tall, gaunt man with gray hair, a twisted smile, and an oily demeanor. Frankenstein sat opposite him in the booth. Grim? he asked the gaunt gentleman, who flashed Frankenstein a twisted smile. Grim's the name, he lisped, Grim by name, and Grim by reputation. Fritz hovered at Frankenstein's side, cowering at the piercing gaze those heavy-lidded eyes of Grim flashed him. And who is this charming gentleman, Grim asked. This is my laboratory assistant, Fritz. Frankenstein grew impatient. He ran his fingers through his oily, coal-black hair and stared with equal intensity at the man. Is it true you procure specimens for Goldstadt Medical University? You mean, am I a grave robber? That is my reputation, kind sir. Grim took a sip of his whiskey. And is it true that you left the university to experiment on your own? Frankenstein eyed Grim narrowly. What do you know about that? In my line of work, it pays to keep one's ear to the door, particularly if there's extra work to be had. That is why you arrange this little tete-a-tete, is it not? What I need are bodies. The fresher, the better. Male or uh, female? Male, for now. And how fresh? Preferably no more than three days old. Grim paused to consider this, scratching his lantern jaw. Now that's a tall order, Herr Frankenstein. A very tall order. People around here have been unusually healthy of late. Although, there are always accidents. Which leaves me the question of the condition of the body. Any damage will prove of no importance. I plan to use the best parts, I feel. So what you're interested in is dissection and all that. Something like that, yes. Frankenstein leaned in. Can you do it? Can you pay? Of course I can. The fresher the subject, the greater the reward. Grim nodded in the direction of Fritz. Do you suppose your assistant would be interested in acting as a lookout? I can always use a second pair of eyes. Frankenstein repressed a smile. He could use a second pair of eyes as well, but not as a lookout. Well, Fritz? Fritz shivered with apprehension. You mean 
sneak around in the graveyards in the dead of night? Grim smiled reassuringly. You needn't be frightened. The dead make good, if not terribly garrulous company, adding with a chuckle. <laughs> After all, every Burke needs a hair. Frankenstein glared at his assistant. Go on, there's nothing to be afraid of. Fritz reluctantly nodded his head. When do we do it? He asked Grim in his hissing whisper. No time like the present. Grim finished his drink. I know of a body of a freshly hanged lad not a mile from here. He asked Frankenstein, and where are the items to be delivered, Herr Frankenstein? Do you know the abandoned old watchtower on the hill overlooking the town? I do indeed. You will meet me there tonight. Payment is on delivery. Excellent. Grim motioned to Fritz. Let's go, lad. I hope you're a good climber. It wasn't long before Fritz found himself a passenger of Grimm's horse-drawn cart. In the bed of the cart were old blankets and rope, along with other tools of the trade, shovels and picks and the like. A lantern hung from a pole by the buckboard. Considering your master's interest, you certainly are a nervous sort, Grimm observed. I can smell the ghosts already, Fritz said with a shudder. There it is, Grimm said, pointing ahead at the silhouette of a gallows and hanged man in bold relief against the grey evening sky. Pulling back on the reins, Grimm maneuvered the cart so its bed was directly beneath the hanging corpse. Handing Fritz the knife, Grimm pointed at the gruesome prize. Climb up and cut the rope. Reluctantly, Fritz did as he was told. The body landed in the bed of the cart with a dull thud. Grimm hurried around to cover the body up with the blankets. Mounting the buckboard, he smiled at the nervous dwarf. Now wasn't that easy? Like taking candy from a baby. Easier than unearthing a coffin, let me tell you. I wish you wouldn't. It was on their way up the winding path that led to the watchtower that Grimm and Fritz happened upon a tramp walking along the side of the road in the opposite direction. Pulling up to him, Grimm asked pleasantly, Where are you bound, my good man? Goldstadt, the tramp replied. As it happens, that's just where we're going after I make a delivery. Would you care for a lift? Fritz was about to protest when Grimm shushed him curtly. Smiling, the tramp hurried around to the back of the cart and climbed into the bed. Many thanks, brother, he said. It was then that he felt the outstretched lump beneath the blankets. No sooner had he uncovered the corpse's pale face than a lead gap connected with the tramp's skull, killing him instantly. He said he wanted them fresh, Grimm explained to Fritz, adding with quiet menace as he covered his latest prize. I'm sure I can rely on you to remain discreet. Fritz nodded nervously. Herr Frankenstein was the perfect customer, as it turned out. Although a freshly bleeding corpse would have raised suspicions, he seemed inclined to ignore such paltry details in favor of worthy materials. 
In the coming weeks, Fritz and Grimm would visit morgues, charnel houses, and dig up the occasional freshly made grave. And as they made their deliveries, Fritz would nervously describe just what Herr Frankenstein was doing with those bodies. This piqued Grimm's interests no end. He was not a scientifically minded man, but he had been around enough of them to piece together the nature of Frankenstein's experiments. And piece together was the right expression, because it seemed Herr Frankenstein was building a whole body from the bits and pieces Grimm had supplied. Given time, there might be blackmail money to be had. But for now, he was content to ply his trade. Child murderer at large, read the flyers posted to every vacant lamppost and fence in town. The victims were all little girls. At first the police thought they were accidental drownings. The Goldstadt coroner never found a trace of sexual assault. But six little girls over a period of three months, all of them accidental drowning? That was too much of a coincidence in a town with such a small population. What the coroner didn't know was that not all the victims were found washed up on the shore of the lake. Nearly a quarter of them found their way onto the dissection slabs of Goldstadt Medical College. All of them supplied by Grimm, who fancied himself something of a Pied Piper when it came to charming little girls into his murderous web. He would use his horse to gain their trust, then suggest a game that took them well out of the sight of their parents or guardians. And then, spring his trap. It gave him a thrill to lead the little ones to their deaths, all under the pretext of a harmless game. But he never raped them. Oh, he wanted to, surely, but there was a part of him, possibly a glimmer of a conscience, that made him feel that was going a bit far. He derived more than enough release through the simple act of drowning them. And what little girls he didn't let the river claim added to his coffers thanks to Dr. Waldman and the other professors at the university who were grateful to have child corpses for the medical students to examine. Grimm was amused by the idea that if there were a rape committed on those young innocents, they were committed by none other than the learned men of science. My, how that tickled him. But now things were heating up, and Grimm decided that his favorite pastime would have to wait. Then it occurred to him that if the good people of Goldstadt got too itchy to find a poor soul to pin the deeds upon, perhaps Fritz was a worthy scapegoat as any. It was during one of their frequent nights out looking for bodies that this notion first presented itself. Grimm gave Fritz a quick glance, sizing him up as a possible child murderer. Why are you looking at me like that? Fritz asked nervously. No reason, friend Fritz, Grimm said reassuringly. No reason at all. Grimm snapped the reins of the horse and quickened its pace. night at the dank tavern that Grimm got careless. He had had too much cognac and he began boasting of his prowess providing cadavers for a young scientist. 
Two gendarmes were at the bar hoisting a few when they overheard Grimm. May we have a word? One said as they surrounded the body snatcher. Why, certainly, officer, Grimm smiled. Catching one of the gendarmes off guard, he gave him a swift kick to the solar plexus and made a run for the exit. The denizens of the tavern knew what to expect and ducked for cover as shots rang out and Grimm's body hit the filthy floor with a thud. The Goldstadt coroner collected the body and soon Grimm found himself on a marble slab with cold water running from an overhead pipe on his face to keep him from decomposing. It was then that Dr. Waldman came by. I beg your pardon? Waldman asked the night attendant. I am from the medical university, and I'm in need of, well, for want of a better term, a criminal brain. For what purpose, sir? The attendant asked. Instructional. I'll be giving a lecture on the differences between a normal and an abnormal brain of a typical criminal. I was hoping you might have such a specimen. I don't know, sir, the attendant hesitated. Any criminal type would need to be examined by the coroner. He held out his hand and cleared his throat. <coughs> Waldman smiled as he reached into his pocket. Of course. He produced fifty crowns and placed them in the attendant's waiting hand. The attendant smiled. As it happens, sir, I know just the chap for your lecture. He led Waldman into the morgue proper and to the naked body of Grimm. This one's a thoroughly bad sort, sir. Body snatcher, murderer, maybe even a child murderer, I shouldn't wonder. Waldman tried not to let on that he recognized Grimm as his chief supplier of cadavers. It probably would be for the best if the body were disposed of. He will do nicely. Waldman said. He quickly got his student helpers to wrap the body in a burlap sheet and hustled it into the back of a waiting van. What's become of Grimm? Herr Frankenstein asked Fritz testily. He paced the floor of the watchtower, pausing to look out the great covered peephole in the heavy wooden door. He's usually here by now. I only need a few minor pieces to complete my work. He glared at his assistant. Did he say anything to you? No, Fritz said, flinching and shaking his head adamantly. He never even came by to see me to go with him. Well, we can't wait any longer, Frankenstein insisted. There's a body being buried in the cemetery tonight, and there's a hanged man that will do well enough for a donor brain. If Grim won't supply them, we have to go ourselves. And so Frankenstein and Fritz became their own grave robbers. First digging up a freshly interred body. He's just resting, Frankenstein said, patting the coffin, waiting for a new life to come. Then Fritz climbed the gallows and cut down another hanged man. Frankenstein examined the corpse. His face expressed his disappointment. The neck's broken, he said. The brain is useless. We must find another brain. It was then that Fritz was sent to the university to obtain a perfect cerebral specimen. 
Frankenstein had heard of Waldman's upcoming lecture on normal versus abnormal brains, Fritz climbed up the window of the operating theater and watched as Waldman addressed his anatomy class. The professor indicated two jars. Here we have the finest specimens I have ever had the good fortune to come across, he said using a pencil to indicate the jar with a normal brain. Then he directed his students' attention to the jar marked Dysfunctio Cerebri. And here we have the abnormal brain of the typical criminal. Note the degeneration of the frontal lobe and the distinct degeneration of the middle frontal lobe. Waldman gestured towards Grimm's sheet-covered cadaver. Only his naked feet poked out from beneath the sheet. This matches the case history of the subject before us, whose life was one of brutality, of violence, and murder. Both these jars will remain for your further inspection. The torn sheet was drawn to cover Grimm's naked feet, and the attendant wheeled out the stretcher carrying the grave robber's body and on to the furnaces where it would be cremated. Grimm's life had come to an end, at least his former life as a human being. Fate had greater plans for Grimm's afterlife. Monstrous plans. Dysfunctio Cerebri, copyright 2019 by Dwight Kemper. Production copyright 2019, Derek M. Cook and Monster Kid Radio, LLC.